Hello and welcome to the Data Journalism Podcast. My name is Simon Rogers. I'm a data journalist, speaker and teacher and data editor at Google. And my name is Alberto Cairo. I am a professor of visualization at the University of Miami, an infographics designer and journalist and also a book author. We love using data to tell stories and the music you can hear is the sound of data made with two-tone, an app that turns numbers into tunes. And this is the Data Journalism Podcast, the only podcast, as far as we know, and at least so far, dissecting the latest trends in data journalism around the world. In each episode, we will explore the latest in data journalism, and we will chat with some of the world's top data reporters. You will get to find out how they do what they do. So subscribe to datajournalismpodcast.com to see how the data is changing the world of journalism forever. So how is data journalism going to change after this podcast, Simon? <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that the work we're talking about today is going to be super influential for people. So um, we had a chat with the organizers of the Sigma Data Journalism Awards, which is the only real global award for data journalists. And just full disclosure, um, I've been involved with this since the beginning and, and Google, what I work for. Um, funds the awards. So um, uh, I, I have a relationship with them, but I thought it was really interesting to see, especially this year feels like a very interesting crop of winners. We'll put the link in the notes, but they're all from small newsrooms, not the usual suspects at all, and they're all doing incredibly innovative work. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I uh, So again, full disclosure myself, I was, uh, I was part of the jury I'm always part of the jury, and and the, the the Sigma Awards. I compare them to other competitions in the sense that uh, they are an opportunity to, not only to reward great work, but it's also an opportunity to encourage people to get into these into these fields, and it's also a learning opportunity for the uh, for judges. So at least it was. It's always a learning opportunity. Uh, for me. Um, also, uh, we use a lot during the podcast the term usual suspects, and we obviously, obviously refer to, you know, the big names in the industry, the New York Times, the Washington Post, and, and we, don't tr we are not trying to uh, minimize their importance not in the so. field. It is only that it's encouraging to see smaller teams and even individuals rising up and producing great work. At least it's, it's super exciting to me. Super exciting, and I think it bodes well for the whole industry that people feel empowered to experiment with AI and these new technologies that are really going to change how the world of data journalism works forever. So forever, forever. Should we dive? Should we dive in? <laughs> Let's go. I'm Gina Chua. I'm the executive editor of Semaphore and a co-founder of the Sigma Awards. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is King. I am the data editor at Blizzard Center. So at Sigma, I'm the competition officer. And I'm Aaron Pilhofer. I am a professor of journalism at Temple University and also co-chair. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. Really glad to chat through the latest um, Sigma Data Journalism Awards, and hopefully we'll be joined later on by the essential uh, Marianne Bouchard. Um, but first off, I'd love it if you guys could talk a little bit about the awards themselves. Full disclosure, I've been involved uh, since the beginning as well in Google, uh, Google Quantum. Um, but yeah, tell us a little bit about the awards and what they represent um, first. Maybe Aaron, do you want to go for that? Yeah, sure. So the awards... Uh, 
really, I think it's safe to talk about it in this in this way now, but this is the natural extension of what used to be known as the Data Journalism Awards back when there was an organization called the Global Editors Network. And um, all of us here were involved in that um, in some in some way. And at the time, it was, you know, the biggest and, and um, easily the most successful, most ambitious um, award uh, trying to recognize great data journalism globally. Um, and when Global Editors Network shut down, we all felt really strongly that we wanted to continue that. And thanks to Simon in particular and Google, um, who've been supporting this work um, consistently year in, year out, uh, we've been able to do that. Um, and what I think is important about this award is that it recognizes work by people who are not typically recognized by the you know, traditional journalism awards. In fact, it is usually the kind of work that ends up a second, third, fourth byline, a research credit. Rarely are these people who are now core to what news organizations do and are doing some of the most important work around, for example, I'm sure we'll get to this, things like algorithmic accountability. These are people whose work has never been fully recognize and and it's we feel it's really important that we do that so for me anyway that's what's important about this award i'll just add a couple of things to that i mean that when the data journal awards were around it was um it was a very um international award which i think was great and we recognized entries from all around the world i think we've taken it a, a, a step further with the sigmas where We've been much more consciously um, soliciting entries from around the world. Um, we've um, we've really kind of looked uh, far and wide. We've we've brought in more languages that people can enter, um, uh, you know, their their um, their work in, so that we can look at a broader range of of um, of entries. I mean, obviously, it'd be it'd be great if we could uh, do every language in the world, but we can't. But we what we've started to take on more and more. The other thing that that we've done, which is a particular innovation um, of parents, uh, was that we essentially got rid of categories. Um, and what we've done is we've just tried to pick the best work that's that's done. If all of it is data visualization, then that's what we'll win. If all of it's investigation, that's what we'll win. We we didn't want to sort of pick um, with two reasons for that. One is we didn't want to pick things that just sort of specifically fit into a particular pigeonhole, and especially with data work, it's kind of hard sometimes to figure out whether something's a, you know, you know, more of an innovation or rather an open uh, data thing or a um, or, or or more of a visualization. The other thing too is we just wanted to get rid of all of this other gamesmanship around. Let's figure out which category is this one will probably win in, and that one won't, and we'll enter in this one and that one because we really wanted to get away from the idea that that this was a prize as much as it was kind of a recognition and a and a way for us to sort of pull together the people who had done the best work and you know let them let them see each other's work learn from each other and then and then as a practical matter get together which is what we're going to do this year as well um and then trade trade ideas i'd like to welcome um marianne to the call um marianne you've been involved in uh the uh the sigma since the beginning and the data journals awards before that can you tell us a little bit about what's special about the awards to you and then after that we can go to kang thank you 
for having me. Uh, yes, um, the stigma was very uh, special to me, as you said, because um, I've been um, working on it um, for so many years. Um, what makes it super special to me is the multicultural side of it. The fact that we get entries uh, from all over the world and from so many different uh, countries, and each year it gets um, even better at that, even better at representing, you know, the true. Uh, colors of data journalism worldwide. Um, it's also a great way for people to learn about data journalism in spectrums where it's not super widespread. And so what I love about the awards is also the educational side of it, that it not only records the history of the fields and what people are doing at one point in time each year, but um, it also helps people learn about the new technologies and the new techniques um, to, learn, to, to use if, if they want to take on a data project. So it's kind of inspirational for people too. Uh... Yeah, definitely. Um, and because of, of the other um, programs that we get to do, um, besides the, the Sigma Awards, um, we get to meet lots of people um, in, in different countries and they always, you know, one of the the, the first thing that uh, gets said is uh, how inspirational the the entries are and um, um, and the awards are um, for people. Brilliant, thank you, Kang. Do you want to go next with that one? Sure, um, maybe I can, you know, give um, probably a, a overview about the awards uh, this year. <clears throat> um, so this year we received six hundred and thirty-eight entries from all around the world, uh, which is another record-breaking year. Last year, we did 603. So this year, there's an um, um, additional uh, of 35 entries. And what is interesting that I'm looking at the statistics now is that um, we have most of uh, um, the entries, like one-fourth of them um, came from Europe. Another one-fourth came from Asia. And about one fifth came from Latin America. After that, then only is North America, um, which makes uh, makes up about um, sixteen percent of the entries. And of course, we have um, um, less entries from the Africa as well as the Oceanic countries. What is interesting is that in North America, um, in the last this is our fourth year. So in the last three years, North America has been. Uh, contributing a large number of uh, entries, but this year we see that you know Latin America um, is catching up, right? So it's Europe, Asia, Latin America, and North America. So I think it shows you know the diversity you know of the awards as well as you know you can see that newsrooms all around the world are doing data journalism, and I think this shows also shows that they are eager to show their work. Um, just uh, to add on what Gina said earlier about, you know, we are trying to be more inclusive by en enabling um, people to submit their projects in multiple languages. So this year, we actually, you know, experimented with eight different languages, uh, which is English, Portuguese, Spanish, Russian, Arabic, French, Chinese, uh, both traditional and simplified, as well as uh, Ukrainian. And um, I just want to say that you know I think it was a it was a huge success. We received um, re, uh, entries in all these languages, and we also have to to make sure that we are we are able to judge and you know uh, evaluate access those entries. 
we also put up a um, stellar, you know, line of judges who are able to understand, you know, all these languages, right? So that you know, for all the entries in different languages, we have judges who are able to access them. So you just you just mentioned sort of like the multilingual, multicultural, uh, inclusive nature of the of the awards, which I really appreciated. I mean, as you mentioned before, we are all involved somehow in the awards. I was a judge, um, like in previous years, um, and I would, I'm super interested in 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 learning about what trends or patterns you are all uh, identifying in the awards. I'm going to give you just an example. Uh, obviously, considering my background, the entries that I that I judge are the ones that had uh, that pay more attention to the visualization, information graphics type of things. And one of the one of the patterns that I observe is that there is so much great work being produced by individuals or or small organizations uh, beyond the traditional the the usual suspects that we all have in mind when thinking about data visualization in the news. So that's an interesting, it's an interesting pattern, right? It's an interesting trend. It's not necessarily a new trend, right? Just because the increasing availability of data and tools to handle and visualize the data facilitate that small teams uh, get on board and start producing this type of work. But what other what other patterns, what other trends have you seen beyond the visualization side of things? Because my vision of the awards is a little bit narrow. So I'm super interested in learning what is what is happening beyond the visualization thing. I can jump in um, with a couple of thoughts. I mean, I first of all, you sort of stole my main one there, Alberto. I, I think we have seen without a doubt the quality of work happening at small news organizations increase by orders of magnitude over the years to the point where I may be misremembering, so Kang, you can fact check me if I'm wrong, but there's no dictum dictorum that says 50% of our awards have to come from small news organizations um, at all, but that's just the way it worked out. And some of the best work, uh, I remember the last two awards in particular came from small news organizations. The other thing I'll throw out thematically and I guess this won't come as a, a big surprise, but I think we're seeing a lot more sophistication uh, in the work itself. Um, I want to call out a particular project from a U.S.-based um, organization, The Markup, um, that um, uh, did a, an incredible project about um, uh, broadband availability and pricing, but from the perspective, from an equity standpoint. And not only are they doing great work around algorithmic accountability, but they have started to couch this work in terms of uh, equity. And I think that's a really important uh, theme and development. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it. I see a lot of uh, projects that um, um, try to involve multiple technologies at the same time. Um, and uh, we see more and more newsrooms um, trying much more advanced technical um, techniques uh, throughout the years. And um, in the entries this year, we've seen quite a few projects using a, a mix of um, machine learning uh, technologies to verify satellite imagery. Um, and so um, that, that's one of the trends that, that, that stood out uh, for me. And we have a project called, a project called Worlds Apart by NRK um that one this year that is um, a very good example of that i know um, a lot of other 
uh, organization um, uh, have been very good at, at, at using these kind of technologies too. And uh, Worlds Apart um, is a great example of that. Um, they've used uh, machine learning to um, um, work out very um, large data from uh, TikTok uh, to show that um, uh, TikTok, the TikTok app was not showing the war uh, against Ukraine to its Russians um, 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 users. And um, uh, this project, if you take it back something like five or six years ago, would have seemed impossible to most newsrooms. And today, because some of the technologies are more and more accessible, um, journalists, data journalists are much more inclined and much more eager to uh, have a go uh, at these kind of projects. And that's super exciting uh, to say that, you know, um, uh, today you, you can try this kind of very advanced um, uh, programming techniques um, for journalism. It's actually sort of interesting. I want to call out two things. I mean, and go back to Alberto's point about, you know, the, the, the kind of work that we're seeing um, and, and Aaron noting coming out from newsrooms, we're sort of seeing two things going at the same time, right? Because one is sort of this huge specialization that needs to be done in the in you know the knowledge that you need to have. You need to understand statistics. You need to understand at least the the the, the basics of machine learning. You've got to have some kind of design flair if you want to build. And and there was a time I think when newsrooms basically kind of. Um, just started needing huge teams to be able to do things because you needed somebody who could do this, you know, this much coding, somebody who could understand this statistics, someone who was good at the storytelling. And I, I'm not quite sure what's happened, but a lot of that seems to collapse. Part of it is the tools have become easier, but I think it's also partly that the people who are using them have become much more multidisciplinary as well. Um, because it's not just like, you know, I give you a bunch of tools and you can just go off and do whatever you want. You actually have to understand what's going on. And I think that, that you know, we've gone from this point where, you know, journalists were jack of all trades to everybody had to become very specialized to starting to come back to a bit more of the jack of all trades, although different trades now. Um, mm. And I think that's a really fascinating um, trend that we're looking at. And it'd be interesting to see sort of essentially how how much that collapses back into one person or, you know, small teams. I mean, we've also seen a few other trends. Obviously, collaboration is an ongoing one that's been going on forever. Well, not forever, but but certainly over the last um, couple of years. Um, and how much of that, you know, sort of plays into the ability of small teams to, to do things. Maybe not entirely where people are sort of formally collaborating, but certainly there's a lot more information sharing and best practices and helping each other out with with technical questions and I think that's a that's a big thing and then just to sort of riff on a completely different point when when Aaron pointed out that the markup had sort of put a equity lens on um, algorithmic accountability well actually just technical accountability um, the other thing that I've sort of started to notice too is is the fact that projects are starting to look at historical data and starting to look at long-term inequalities or long-term injustices and they're not they're not feeling like they're bound in you know it's not news because it didn't happen yesterday that we're, we're, mm -hmm. we're talking about uh events and and actions that took place 10 20 30 i think last year we had a project that went back into world war ii um and looking at the long-term effects of that and i think that that's a huge shift 
in the minds of journalists, I think, to sort of think about what, um, you know, what are the long-term consequences of decisions made a long time ago and what is the equity of those things and how should they be corrected? So it's just a big range of really interesting trends, I think, coming. It is fascinating, isn't it? My, my, my two cents on this is how interesting it is that in the past with these awards, it was always kind of the usual suspects, right? It was, yeah, the people with big resources, like you say, and the Times and, and so on, the people have like hundreds of, uh, hundreds of data journalists. And now the idea of what data journalism is has just shifted and changed so much. Even in the last two awards, this one included, it's fascinating to me. And also how striking it is how many of the winners this year are from small global newsrooms. I know, Ken, there was an example you had that you wanted to share, wasn't there? Yeah, so this year is um, a very special year for me because I'm a Malaysian from Malaysia. And finally, we have a winner from my country. And um, what's special about this entry is that it is a portfolio entry. So we have 10 winners this year, and only one winner um, is from the portfolio uh, category. Okay. Um, and of course, I'm not part of the prize committee. So I was very surprised when I saw that, you know, this uh, portfolio from a very small newsrooms in Malaysia, a very niche uh, publication called Makaranga, and the founder, his name is Yao Hua Lo. He is the winner. And um, the, in the whole publication, there are only two journalists he and his editor. Two of them uh, did a series of reports uh, using data and bear in mind that you know, data is not um, very much accessible in my country. So it's a very restrictive um, environment. And he was able to you know, um, search out all the relevant data by going to a library and library, you know, looking at physical reports to get all those data to look at the forest plantation policy in Malaysia. And, you know, um, and so I think that, you know, that is really a good example of, you know, how very small newsrooms in a restrictive environment uh, is still able to do, you know, good um, data story. And another thing that I observe is that, you know, they, they don't even have any coding skill when it comes to data journalism. Um, they just use all the, you know, off the shelf tools that um, um, they have. And you know, plus some spreadsheet skills, and then you know he was able to do great story. It's so interesting. It seems to me that also mirrors some of the other winners, and that is really about having an excellent story idea, and then being imaginative in the way that you tell it. But that that story idea at the root of it is not just about producing something that's pretty or beautiful or or just showing how clever you are, but it's really about telling telling a. a Stories. As people usually say in conferences during the Q&A, I have more a comment than a question, but maybe I see a, awards like the Sigma Awards, uh, the, intention, the intent behind them, not only as a way to reward great work, but as a way to encourage people to produce better work and also to get into this field. There's like the fact that we are seeing winners coming from country like Malaysia, the fact that we are seeing smaller newsrooms and individuals winning big awards, the awards that in the past were only won by the uh, by the big names, by the usual suspects. I believe that has sort of like this encouraging effect on, on people. So the question related to these is, if a person gets encouraged to participate 
in these uh, in these awards. I think that it will be beneficial for them to learn how the judging process works and what types of things judges are asked to look for in the in the submission. So may, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. The the criteria essentially that we all use to judge all these entries. Yeah, I can I can jump in first on this because I feel really passionate. I mean, this is one of the areas I feel um, both is uh, 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 it was it, it's an area that I feel is like super important, but and one that where I think we actually have some opportunity. We're both strong in, but also have some opportunities to grow. I mean, we we are highlighting work from organizations that, and people, as I said before, who are typically not recognized. Um, and that has had an impact, I can tell you. I mean, we haven't measured it. We can't give you a numeric uh, uh, indicator, but we have seen work from those places grow. We have seen more and more entries from those places, from those countries, from those news organizations. And I can tell you definitively, it's because those are projects that are being recognized um, globally as, as they should be. Where I think we can grow is, um, and exactly as you were sort of alluding to, Alberto, is I do think there's an opportunity for us to be more um, uh, uh, intentional about that part of our mission. And um, part of the reason we got rid of categories and, you know, these sort of artificial distinctions between kind of types of news is to sort of level the playing field a little bit and highlight just the best work, um, which I feel is an empowering thing rather than be being labeled, oh, it's just breaking news or it's a small news organization doing breaking news. That's always felt a little bit uh, wrong to me. Um and, and so I think we have a lot of opportunities to grow in this area in particular. Uh, and I think we can do that. And, and I just want to add, I think, you know, there's, um, you know, again, it comes back to what do we think of this as, it's, and not as an award, but as a community and, and as a way of recognizing and encouraging work. So, you know, among the things that we do is put an active Slack group so people can come in and it's not a one and done and then let's wait until next year and you might come back again. Um, but much more, you know, a place where people can can keep and and keep talking. I think the other thing that we do too is um, uh, is you know as we're looking at the entries and they come in, you know, a lot of what we're doing is also sort of thinking not just about the technical uh, quality of the work, but but as much you know what it says about the people who are doing it, what the what the circumstances are that they were working under. Um, you know, if you do a great piece of work, but it's it's derivative of a piece of work that was done the year before, I mean, that's great. I mean, we sort of think, you know, somebody's got a good idea, everybody else should stamp it out and do the same thing in their place. But we want to, we want to, we want to recognize the work that's pioneering, that other people are going to copy down the road. And so we've got a lot of these things, I guess, sort of in our head. But what we really want is we want, we want to just showcase the people that are leading the way and, um, you know, how will we define it? Um, and, and helping them get the word out to other people that this is how you can do things too. Yeah, and I think this is really what makes the award special. There's nothing else like it out there. And um, and I think we're seeing that in the way that people enter from, people feel it's accessible and almost attainable for them in a way that they might not feel with other, with other awards out there in the world. 
So tell us what's happening next. We've got the um, the awards have just been announced, and we're going to provide a link to those on the notes for the show. But tell us what happens next. What's uh, what's happening after now? So um, what's happening next is that uh, we are coordinating some work ahead of the International Journalism Festival uh, in Perugia, where we'll be um, leading three sessions in total, um, all focused on data journalism and related to entries, um, winning entries um, of the Sigma Awards. So that is super exciting because we're going to get to go in depth about those winning projects and how they came up and um, exchange between uh, members of those uh, news organizations from the, from the winning uh, um, entries, um, exchange about how um, those ideas came about and um, general uh, exchanges on on what it is to do data journalism today. So that's that's pretty cool. And we invite everyone to check out the International Journalism Festival program to see um, those sessions. And um, hopefully some of the listeners will be there in Perugia. So come and meet us, right? That would be super awesome. <laughs> Since we're all about community, you know, the, the feel of community, we'd be uh, delighted to, to meet people physically um, over there in Italy um, next month. And so we're also going to be sure to try and create content out of the things we learn from from the awards and um, and publish that online and uh, probably organize um, another event uh, related to um, our data journalism community in the upcoming months or so. And just to say that we are going to try and get um, the audio from these panels onto the podcast. So you'll have if you can't make it to Umbria, um, then you'll uh, get a chance to to hear hear the um, the, the panels and the great speakers who are who have done such amazing work. So, so if, if I may add, also yes. then um, all the data uh, from all the entries throughout the years are, are available online, and we we make it a a, a big work each year to uh, publish the the data set on GitHub. And so we also in the you know in in the in the coming months very excited to see what people are doing out of these data. We know that there's lots of research being done on the field of data journalism. Each year we get requests from universities and um, uh, people studying the fields and from media organizations also looking through mm-hmm. the data sets to do stuff. So um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what what comes out of it. Just so this is the closest thing the world has to an archive of data journalism. Which is something you know has been something that I think we really, really need. So it's incredible resource. Thank you guys so much for maintaining that. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. 